Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Today will be the third installment of bonus material from the Teach Better 19 conference. And the four guests today all have different titles, but have one common message, which is no matter who you lead, you need to know the needs of those you serve. In each of the four interviews, you'll hear practical strategies and how they are impacting education. To kick off this episode, my first guest is Jake Miller, the host and creator of Educational Duct Tape. All right, good morning. This is day two of Teach Better 19 conference, and I'm on site with Podcasters Row, podcaster of Educational Duct Tape. Yep. Tell my listeners about who you are and yeah. what your position is and what you're speaking about this, yeah. this weekend. So I'm Jake Miller. I'm here from here in Ohio, right down the road from the Teach Better, pod, or the Teach Better Conference, which works out really well for me. Uh, I'm a tech coach at a local middle school, but also I do the, you know, the podcasting with Educational Duct Tape, and I try to be really active out there on Twitter and on my website, just trying to help educators grow in their use of technology. I find, as I've gone through years of doing this stuff with educational technology, that a lot of educators are really overwhelmed by all the options out there. Yeah. So I'm just trying to be that voice out there that tries to support them in making decisions about technology in a way that's not overwhelming for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to help them see that they don't have to do everything, right? As sure. long as they're taking steps to move forward and grow, you know, I, I feel like I'm helping them out and they're doing good. So that's what I'm trying to get them to do, I'm trying yeah. to support them in that. So what, what led you to podcasting? Because as a fellow podcaster myself, mm-hmm. I always love kind of the origin story right. of each podcast. So where did that even come from? You know, I've, I've found uh, over the years, so, so I started doing, I got, got on Twitter maybe I don't know, seven or eight years ago, right? And then I started a website shortly thereafter. And I just kept finding different ways to communicate with educators. And you find like, well, I'm, people aren't hearing my message. Like these people are hearing it and these people aren't. And I want to get my message to them. So I wanted to try to get my message to as many different people as I can. And you, you kind of have to do that in different mediums. Like if there's a tech coach out there listening or anybody in a tech leadership position, they know how that feels. Like you send out that email and half your stuff, staff reads the email and the other half doesn't. So then you try something else to engage that half of the staff. And so it's partially that where I'm just trying to reach different people and support them in it. But also I found that, that things like Twitter and things like that, you get these bite-sized pieces of, of knowledge and information, but I really wanted a way to expand expand what I wanted to say about the technology, and the podcasting really lends itself to that. Plus, I'm just a huge podcast fan. Yeah. I love listening to podcasts, so it's cool being on the other side of the microphone. Well, your message is definitely resonating with people, because I've, I've heard your podcast probably about three months ago from like three different people in a matter of a month, and I was like, well, i got to check this guy yeah. out. He's doing something incredible. So what do you think is resonating with your listeners, and, and why do you feel like your podcast is growing so fast? You know, one, one thing I was excited about with podcasting now, especially in education, is that there are a lot of different types of podcasts out there. Like, even in the educational technology space, which I'm in, there are dozens, if not hundreds of podcasts yeah. out there. And what I like about that is it lets everybody listen to one that's their own style. And so I think that mine has its own style. And I, I think some for some listeners, they love that sound. Others might not. And then there's other options out there for them. That's, sure. that's that. So I think what, what people that listen to my show enjoy is that we're ha- always having fun on the show. Yeah. We're always being relatively informal on the show and having a good time. And that that has built a community that now you know we, I call the listeners the duct tapers and they really like I'll, they'll send me pictures at conferences like hey I met another duct taper today <laughs> and so we're having a good time and we're building that community but also it's just it's just like it, it fits a certain group of people's ears right you know what I mean like it's it's, it's what works for them sure so as a tech coach because on my podcast it's all about leadership development and trying to expand yourself and aspire to something greater than you are right now so 
for those who maybe are a teacher that are thinking, well, I like technology mm -hmm. and being a tech coach might be something that um, is of interest to them. What are some advice that you have for them going into potentially that role? A mistake that I made early on as a tech coach was I was picking what to communicate to my staff. I was picking what I thought they should be doing, what I thought they should be integrating, what they thought they should be learning and using in their classrooms. And just like our students, because they don't have any reason to care about that thing that we're communicating with them, there's not a whole lot of buy-in. Sure. Like I could tell you about a tech tool that I think is going to be wonderful for your classroom, but if that doesn't fit your teaching style or if you don't feel like you have a need in that area, you don't care, yeah. right? So the best thing you could do is come at it, you know, like support the teachers and finding things that work for them. So if you have a teacher that expresses, you know, I, I really don't feel like I know how well my students are understanding a lesson, then you need to help them with formative assessment tools. Or if you have a teacher who feels like uh, their students aren't really being able to express themselves in their class, then you need to help them find ways for students to be creators or to, or to share their voice. Make the teacher own the problem, the goal, what, what they're trying to achieve in their classroom, and then you could support them in selecting that technology. Awesome. You know, and, and we got to understand that everybody shouldn't be doing the same thing. No. If, if everybody's doing the same thing, it's not good for our students. So let's yeah. stop communicating the same thing to everybody. Let's help them identify what works for them. So I know for a tech coach, it's challenging because there's so many different tools, mm -hmm. and then those tools don't last for right. long periods of time. So with those challenges, how do you work with your staff in regards to giving them the right tool at the right time? So helping them understand that they don't always have to know how to use the tool uh, forwards and backwards. Yep. The, the, the students can help them with <laughs> yeah. that, right? Yeah. So uh, you'll have teachers who are scared of, like, what if I learn this tool today and it's gone in two years? Yep. And my response is like, well, you got two years of awesome instruction out yeah. of that tool and you could then learn a new one sure. and, and it, it does not going to take you that long it's not like you know, it's it's that thing I, I listen to a lot from from a guy named seth godin and he talks yeah. a lot about opportunity cost yeah. right so just because you spent that time learning how to use it two years ago and you're scared that two years from now you're gonna have to learn something different like that's a, that's a relatively small opportunity cost for what you're getting out of it. Exactly. You know, the extent that you're getting out of that tool in your classroom, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Jake, for our listeners here, if they want to connect with you on social media, how can they do that? So, on all the platforms, I'm at Jake Miller Tech. Wow, that's easy enough. Uh, yep, I'm what, in the uh, website? Website's jakemiller.net. Okay, perfect. And then definitely check him out on iTunes and any podcast platform that you are comfortable with. Yep. Duct Tape is amazing. So, definitely listen and become a duct taper. Yeah, thank you. My next guest had the pleasure of meeting with Jeff Kubiak, the author of One Drop of Kindness. And after connecting with her multiple times, it was obvious that I had to get her on the podcast to talk about her consulting business and how she is impacting leaders all throughout the country. We're here at the Teach Better Conference, and I have Janelle McLaughlin with me today, and she is a consultant, an education consultant, and she's going to be presenting with Jeff Kubiak. And so I just want to know what that presentation is going to be about, and then let's talk about your professional role also. Great. Uh, thanks, Josh. So I do get to present with Jeff tomorrow um, on mental health and the importance of helping students recognize all of that about themselves um, and how we can work in practicing mindfulness into the regular school day. Um, and it really is a topic that has to be on every educator's mind at this point. Um, should have been a long time ago. Yes. So we're playing catch up now, but it's never too late to start practicing good things. I also get to do a Teach Better talk tomorrow afternoon on driving personal growth, which is a personal passion of mine. We talk about personalized education for students all the time. And personalized PD is becoming uh, more relevant. Uh, but what I hear a lot of times about that is people wanting um, 
administrators, leadership to bring in a whole bunch of people to lead personalized PD. And my talk is about how we drive that ourselves and that we don't have to wait around for somebody to bring the learning to us. Yeah, definitely. So in your consulting, is there piece of that as far as professional development that you provide to districts? Very, very much so. So everything I do at districts is personalized because I expect every educator I work with to write a personal um, goal that's directed to an area of growth that they uh, have a desire or interest to learn more about. Most of my work is through job embedded coaching, so I get to work with the same people over and over again, help them implement um, action steps that will help them drive that growth towards the goals that they've set. So if there's like a superintendent or principal out there that's listening to this that is interested in potentially your services, what do you provide to a district? So again, it's completely personalized, but what I love to do as far as leadership coaching goes, um, I love when I get to work with a whole team because I feel like a lot of times administrators are isolated in the work that they do. Even if um, I was a curriculum director prior to being a consultant, so even in that role, I was the only curriculum director for my district. So I was part of an administrative team. Um, they didn't do the same thing I did. So I had to look to build that PLN outside of my district, but anytime I can get a team together so that we can have that common foundation laid and then do the individual coaching with principals, with superintendents, I do that both on-site and virtually because sometimes it's really hard for administrators to give up time. So a quick check-in through a Google Hangout or a Zoom, that makes it a little more manageable. So if there's someone out there that's listening to that maybe wants to have some professional development, but they're not receiving at their campus or at the district level, but they're still interested in obviously to better themselves. What are some what is some advice that you have to help them? If it's something related to driving their own growth, not waiting for somebody to bring in, um, I can't say enough about podcasts. That's one of my go-tos right now. I drive a ton for work, as you can imagine, and I love to exercise. So those are my two times to listen to podcasts. And when I get to catch up on all of the, the ones that I'm subscribing to, um, every time I listen to one, I can take away something. And I think it's all about mindset, too, for learning. So if you go into a learning experience with your mindset, I am going to at least learn something, then you do come away with that. Um, I would also recommend Twitter. I actually just talked to a teacher this week. There's still tons of educators not on Twitter. That has been my go-to since becoming a curriculum director. That was one of the ways I could connect with other educational leaders outside of my district. And I, I'm a big proponent in saying, like, in 15 minutes, I can read something that adds value to my craft. So it's just a matter of taking some time and looking. I have had, I have worked with people before that say, you expect me to do that on my own time? Well, that's that mindset that tells me they are not interested in growth. If you don't have 15 minutes to better yourself, then let's choose a different career at this yeah, point. Sure. Yeah. We should always be bettering ourselves, that's true. So I know that you have a book coming up, so I want to touch on that. So will you just provide to our aspiring leaders what the concept of the book is? Yes, thanks Josh. And I kind of laugh just because I need to push myself on this. Um, there are always things that are more of a pressing priority. I love to write, but it's something that I can move down the priority list way too easily. So it's all on leadership, um, which is you know super generic. How it varies from some different leadership tools is I think every educator is a leader, yeah. and we've got to take responsibility for that. So it's split into three different sections, um, leading in and from the classroom, um, leading in and at the building level, and then leading at the district level, and how all of those tie you into being leaders in the community as well. Well, and that's a perfect segue because obviously the podcast is on leadership development. So for those who are aspiring to become a leader but maybe don't have the title, what is some advice that you have for them? I'm going to always go back to that mindset. So if you're an aspiring leader, you've got to have the mindset of a leader. Um, and that means 
in my in my heart that means that you're a servant first um, and that building relationships is the foundation so if you're aspiring to be a leader you've got to be connecting with the people that you want to lead um, and who you want to lead alongside again like a teacher is a leader too so how are you connecting and building relationships with your students um, how are you building relationships with your colleagues and being able to share in the leadership that you do with them and then again going continue with growth so where are the areas that you can identify that you still need to grow superintendents need to be able to identify areas where they still need to grow so in the educational world people might think that that's the top of the leadership hierarchy you don't get to just coast at that point I would say that your growth is even more important at the superintendent's level. I, I like to think that all of us are aspiring leaders for the rest of our careers yeah. because we always, again, it goes back to we can always be bettering ourselves. Almost so for our listeners, how can they connect with you? Um, I'm on all the social media places, um, but I also have a website, which is innovativeeducationsolutions.net, um, and links to all of my social media connections there as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Josh. For me at this conference, it was really fun to meet a lot of my former guests, and my next guest here is Hans Apple, and he is a former Aspire guest, and he is the counselor and creator of award-winning culture. All right, we're at the Teach Better conference here, and I have Hans Apple, a former guest on the Aspire podcast, and I love talking to this guy. I got to go to this session yesterday, and him and his wife absolutely rocked it with um, a whole host of different things that they're working on to change the culture on their campus. So Hans, thank you so much for joining me today. It's awesome to be here, man. It's good to see you again. Yeah, um, it's, so, it's been such uh, a pleasure to actually uh, see you in person, meet you, yeah. and, and really pick your mind while we're at this conference. And, and I love the conferences. It's been this like really intimate feeling and getting to know all these different people from Twitter and then actually see them in person. And, um, it's been phenomenal. So in regards to your session yesterday, can you just tell our aspiring leaders kind of what you all talked about within the, the confines of the, the culture aspect? Yeah, it's really t focusing on the whole child through school culture. So really looking at, you know, how can we impact every kid in the school with kindness, service, empathy under this school-wide umbrella. And so that's kind of what we focused on yesterday. Yeah. So for those who are looking to maybe make a shift in their culture, maybe they're seeing some things that they're not really enjoying, but they, they know that needs to change. What are some practical things that they can bring to their campus that can make an immediate impact? I think it's about empowering everybody, you know, and I, that's not just from our session. I've heard that over and over uh, the last couple days. Is, uh, school culture isn't a one-person job. Yep. You know, you're the assistant principal at your school. Yep. It's not all on you. Right? No. I'm the school counselor at my school. It's not all on me. Yep. It is literally everybody. And I think the difference at our school is we've started realizing it's also the students, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Not even just the staff. So we've tried to put our students in, you know, positions of uh, opportunities to enhance that school culture, right? So we've created a student-led leadership podcast. We've got kids blogging. We've got kids creating video content that all relates back to leadership and character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing I took away yesterday was just how many opportunities you provide on your campus for student ownership. And I loved even the fact that, you know, when there's a new student on campus, they're greeted by people and there's just like this whole culture of acceptance really and and I love that because especially you know me I'm working in a middle school you know middle schoolers can be downright mean you know it's all about them and it's all about their world and and they're as much as they're vulnerable they're also not always kind and I really was enjoying the aspect that you provided in regards to really focusing on character and, and changing that so what are some things that you implement on your campus to really focus on character yeah I think it starts off by um, teaching them how to be kind right we all say that we want to be kind 
I think even middle school kids yeah. want to be kind. Yeah. But it's, you know, how, how does that look, right? So we started with something where we went in and, and basically took over the custodian's job, yeah. right? And they had to go in, and that's one of the things we talked about yesterday, um, was, you know, it took 30 students essentially to do this one adult's job. And, you know, how that kind of changed our whole lunchtime behavior, yeah. you know, because they began to see him as a human and have a connection with Junior, that's our yeah. custodian. And, you know, since that time, they've gone in each day now, we have leadership students that essentially clean up the cafeteria for them, you know, unsolicited, yeah. right? Because they have this connection and they, they realize that, you know, kindness does matter. Yeah, it really does. I know you guys have a podcast that's student-led. So for our spine leaders that haven't had an opportunity, because I know you've been on the podcast, but for those who are listening now that maybe hadn't heard the previous episode, which they need to do because it was amazing. I love talking with you. But we just talk about just for a moment in regards to what that podcast is all about. Yeah, it's a student-led podcast focusing on leadership and character development. And so we basically get to interview all kinds of amazing people, like yeah. speakers, authors, uh, athletes. And um, then our kids kind of do a reflection piece at the end of it. Uh, it's been interesting because we've put it out for educators and students and parents to listen to. And the favorite part that everybody shares is the reflection piece where the kids actually get to, okay, they, they listen to this amazing person, but now they apply it to their life, right? They're making connections. And I think that's, that's been the piece that people have kind of hung on to. Right. For our aspiring leaders that are listening, how can they connect with you on social media? So it's Hans in Apple, and I'm on Twitter. Um, and then our website is just awardwinningculture.com. Yeah. So definitely check out the website. Check out the podcast. Hans is doing amazing work with just the whole student ownership piece. I love what you're doing on campus. Thank you so much, Hans, for joining me today on the Aspire Podcast. I appreciate it. My last guest is someone I connected with multiple times. She has got a genuine heart and a passion for literacy. Her name is Crystal Parker, and she is a high school English teacher, and she's going to provide us with some fantastic classroom techniques. All right, so I am at Teach Better Conference in Ohio, and I'm so excited to have Crystal Parker. I've had a chance to connect with her the last two days, and she is an amazing educator. She is a ninth grade teacher, and she's going to provide some wisdom to us in regards to what she's talking about at the conference. So, Crystal, if you don't mind, just letting our listeners know, what is it that you talked about at the Teach Better Conference? So the title of my session is Read a Good Book, Create a Lifelong Reading. And basically, I'm talking about classics versus young adult literature. And I'm, my point is, don't get rid of the classics, but introduce students and engage students with reading young adult literature, and then they'll eventually come around to picking up the classics. But to just give a classic is so much for a student because the language is so difficult and the time period is so obsolete to them is that they don't really understand and you have to do so much background on right. them. But if you can get them to enjoy reading, then they can appreciate a classic. Sure. So you're saying to introduce maybe a novel that they get to choose? I mean, is there any autonomy within the classroom for the kids to, to pick their books? That's one of the things I talk about is I do something in my room called book tastings. Okay. And they can read different books, select the books, and then based on the book that they select, since we say classics have universal themes, yep. you can match the young adult novel with the classic that has a universal theme and get them interested in reading the young adult novel and then pull something from the classic end where they can see and appreciate that it does have the same theme. 
they may not be as interested. However, they're already reading and you have them hooked. So then bringing the classic in is just enhancement to what they're doing. So I know, like, obviously, for our students that have low-level reading skills, is that actually helping them to get to the level that is needed for the classics? Absolutely, because the more they read, the more words they see, okay. the better they comprehend in their vocabulary. Sure. So it's a process, but if we can get students to engage and enjoy reading by giving them something they can connect with that's culturally relevant, sure. that they can see themselves reflected, mm -hmm. then when they pick up a classic, they'll be able to make a connection. Yeah. So Chris, I know in Florida, you're doing amazing things in your classroom. So what is maybe one thing that you do that you're extremely proud of? Well, something that I'm doing this year that I'm really proud of is I'm, I've gotten my students into Neil Schusterman, okay. and he has agreed to come and speak at, in January to my students who read his book. So the students I had for the last two years, they've been pounding me this book. Please don't forget about us. Please don't forget to give us the field trip for yeah. So he's coming in January to talk to them who read any of his books, so all of all of and some other teacher students want to read his books wow. so that they'll be able to come to sure. to hear him speak in January. Well, that's awesome. So you're really getting that excitement level going yes. for the kids. That's yes. wonderful. All right, so Crystal, um, I know you're at the conference and you're speaking about literature. So literacy is obviously a huge piece to our schools. Do you see what you do in your classroom affect the students in other classrooms and other subject matters? I, I do. Um, I love to read. Okay. And so I try to give my passion to the students. Mm -hmm. and. A lot of times I just tell them, even if you think it's boring, try to get something out of it. Right. And one of the students told me in history, it's just, it's boring. And he's not interested, doesn't want to read it. Yeah. But he tries to find one thing that he can take out of it every day. And I have him come and tell me, well, what's the one thing you learned today? And sometimes he'll say, nothing. Ms. Parker, it was nothing I could learn today. But at least two or three times a week, he can tell me something that he's learned. So based on what I'm trying to instill to read and try to get something out of it, because you're going to have to read for the rest of your life. Yeah. So at least try to get something out of it. So I think that's a, a really positive thing. Yeah. They're trying to find something, even when they don't want to read it, their, their purpose is to find something that I can come back and say, I've learned this. Yeah, you're really instilling a, a powerful life lesson in that too. So Crystal, for those who are listening, how can they connect with you on social media? I'm on Twitter. That's yep. the only one I use and it's at ParkerCR6 and my tag is Ringleader. All right. I love it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear you speak uh, later this afternoon. Thank you. Make sure you check out the next Aspire podcast with Tiffany Ott of the Teach Better team as we dive into her leadership journey and how she's impacting the shift in education. Also, if you're looking for more Teach Better content, there are previous bonus episodes with David Shelley Burgess, Tara Martin, Ray Hewart, and CJ Reynolds. Thank you for listening, and if you've gotten any value from the show at all, please subscribe and leave a rating review wherever you're listening.